0: bishop ministered to us. It was so rich and, uh, such revelation and healing from the word of God by the spirit of God. I'm thankful for that today. Praise God. And it was a sure word for a sure time for where God is taking us. Amen. Um, let me just say, I I forgot to, I failed to mention this in the first service. I'll say it now and then we'll get some words out uh, via messaging. Um, As many of you know, there's a visitation Tuesday night uh, for Brother Roa uh, at the Union Gap location on Main Street, 3305. Is that right? 3505, 3505, thank you. 3505 Main Street in Union Gap, right across from the post office right there on Main, right through Union Gap. Um, And so the viewing will be there from 4 to 7. And then on Wednesday morning, the service is from 9 to 11. I don't know that the service will go that long, uh, but that's the time that's blocked out. And then there will be a, a, a graveside service uh, out in Wapato um, The uh, There will be a graveside service there, and then following that, there will be a reception back there at the church in Union Gap. Thank you for the many of you who have graciously agreed to prepare food, to bring it. I've um, I hope I wasn't being rude on my phone. I've been conversing with one of the family members, and they finally got back to me, and so I was trying to communicate there. They're very appreciative of all that's being done, and so thank you for that. Um, I did communicate with Elder Flowers this morning. They are in need, if there's some that would be available, to help with setting up the reception. We could use a few bodies. That's now, this is from like around 11 to 1 It'll be after the service, but while they're doing the graveside, they'll need some help at the church setting up. They have some people from the Union Gap congregation, but could use some help there. And then after the reception, uh, if there's some bodies that could be available to help with clean up. Uh, so if you can do so, would you just maybe just message uh, my wife or I and let us know, hey, I can be available to help with setting up for the reception after the service or I can be available to help with cleanup afterwards. Just get us that information. We would appreciate that. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to... Oh, before I dismiss. Youth convention's coming up. Did you guys know that? Yeah, I heard Sister Alyssa knew it was coming. And others. No. Um, I'm excited about youth convention coming up. we got a good group of young people that are going. And uh, so following service... If you're going to youth convention, following service, or if you're a parent that has kids going to youth convention, would you please go down to the prayer room and meet with Sister Autumn and others there. She's got some forms for young people, parents, that we're going to ask you to look at, sign now, and just give back now so we're not hoping you remember when we get ready to leave town on Wednesday. We'd just rather have them sign now and in our hands, and they'll just hold on to them. And then if they get lost, we'll all look at Autumn and go, what happened, Sister Autumn? <laughs> Amen. So, again, after service, um, I'm, I'm very thankful. You know, I, I'm always humbled by the generosity of this congregation. I thank you for your faithfulness. See, um, we've already taken the offering, so you know I'm not going to ask for an offering. Uh, just your faithfulness in the returning of the tithe and the giving of your offering and the supporting of different needs. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, we did some fundraisers last year for youth convention and then we didn't go to youth convention. And uh, we didn't do any fundraisers this year, but different ones have given. And so young people and or parents probably are more excited about this than young people. Um, All of your hotel rooms are completely covered. Isn't that beautiful? And so thank you for your giving. And so parents, you just need to, Give them money to eat, unless you want them to fast and be super spiritual during this time. And all of the young people said, "We're not fasting." Amen. So they're going to have a great time. Please, church, let's be in prayer for this youth convention. Uh, there was a good group—18 men that were at youth or at men's conference and had a tremendous time. Such great, rich ministry. And then just right on the heels of that, we've got youth convention. And so please be praying for those gatherings. I believe the, the Lord is doing a work in the body, and I'm thankful for every part. Aren't you? And you probably saw on the bulletin board, but it's only 60 days away, uh, maybe a little more than that, maybe about 75 days away, is Ladies' Conference. And so that's in Yakima, so you don't have to travel very far at all. And so plan on that. And uh, we're just thankful for God's ministry and the different things that uh, different men and women of the district, brothers and sisters across the state, work together to put together that we can all benefit from. Amen? Praise God. So I'm going to dismiss the teacher. And uh, then we will, in just a moment, we will turn loose the our precious children from four to eleven. They can follow that teacher that's running downstairs. Amen. So we'll dismiss our children right now, four to eleven. You can go to class. God bless you. Look at all those beautiful kids. And I think the ladies outnumber the men. When I was a when I was a kid, hopefully we're not recording yet. If we are, oh well, uh, when I was a kid, my grandmother, I was the only grandson. And so she always told me I was her favorite grandson. I was older before I understood. But um, don't laugh so loud, Brother Ego. It was true. (laughs) Even if I was the only, I was the favorite grandson. But um, she would always quote the scripture to me. I don't know why. (laughs) My grandmother. She was always quoting some scripture to me. She would always quote the scripture to me before I got married. So um, I got married at 21, but before I got married, uh, she would always quote the scripture to me. There will be seven women clinging to the coattails of one man just to be called by his name. So my grandmother, she was biased, and so she would say, you're a good-looking young man. There will be lots of women trying to grab your coattails. And then she'd quote that scripture to me like I was supposed to be scared or something. I don't know. You know, she was like... Yeah, she was, like, warning me. So I was always a little nervous, you know, about these things. So young men, I don't know what that means, but you might want to lay hold on that. And anyway, so I see all these. So I watch all these ladies going to class. This is the point. I see all these young ladies. I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's happening in our time. (laughs) So, and, of course, I've heard some young ladies say, man, we need some young men around here. So, well, praise God, they're starting to come. Amen. Laughter doeth good. Aren't you thankful for God's goodness? I'd like you to grab your Bible. There's something the Lord has been talking to me about. I want to go to the book of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Familiar passage to so many of us. A little closer. Amen. When I was younger, there would be times where we would have church service. We'd be in our Bible study or whatever. And there would be ministry of something. I'm like, man, we've heard this before. I don't know if you've ever done that. But um, I, I remember... As a young person, that being that way sometimes, and but as I've gotten older, some of those things that I've heard before, man, I, I'm like, man, just tell me again. I just want to hear it again. It just does something to my, and it means more and more and more. Right, my, I don't plan on talking about my grandmother all morning, but my my grandmother is the last three years that we spent with her when we lived there and got to spend time with her. We would go over and spend time at her house. Oftentimes, we'd spend several hours or a day on a Saturday. And we'd sit down, and my grandmother would begin to tell me a story. Some story I'd heard probably a hundred times in my life. And and it was always a story about how God had done something. Those were her stories. Um, She didn't have other stories. All of her stories, you knew that whatever she was going to tell you, God had done something and she'd tell you about burning brush piles and, and she she had big brush piles burning and God had done something. And uh, and so when we were there those last three years of her life, we'd sit there and she, she was going into dementia a little bit. And so my grandmother would tell a story. And then maybe 20, 30 minutes would go by, we'd be talking and then she'd tell us the same story again. And the first few times, I was like, oh, man, we've heard this story. I just sort of grin, you know, and just, oh, wow, you know. But as, as time drew to a close, I would just sit there, and I'd, she'd start in the same story again, and I'd just sit there, and I'd think, tell it again, I'm listening. Tell it again. I'm listening. I want the story to get in here. of What God has done. And there's some truths in the word of God. That I believe sometimes the Lord just wants us to hear them again. He wants it to get in here. And I want to be reminded one more time. God, tell me again. Remind me again. Tell me again. I sort of feel that a little bit this morning. Exodus chapter 12. I'm trying to think what verse I want to start with. Verse 3. Exodus 12 and verse 3. The Lord is speaking here to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. And he is telling them what to say to all of Israel. Egypt has Israel in bondage. The children of Israel are in bondage. They are slaves to the Egyptians. But the Lord is getting ready to deliver them. Anybody interested in deliverance? The Lord is getting ready to deliver them. And so he says to Moses and Aaron, speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man, a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb For a house. Skip down for sake of time. It was supposed to be a perfect lamb. It was supposed to be without blemish. It was supposed to. Verse six. And you shall keep it, that lamb, until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. All right, you got the picture. They've all got a lamb. They've all got a spotless lamb. They're in bondage in Egypt, but the Lord's getting ready to deliver them. And he says, before deliverance comes, get a lamb, get a spotless lamb and kill it. Everybody kill this lamb at the same time this evening on the 14th of the month. And when you kill it, verse seven, take of the blood. Everybody say, take the blood take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it in other words king james take the blood from the lamb put the blood on the side posts and the top posts of the door of the house every house where the Israelites lived that night, blood from the lamb, blood from the lamb on the two side posts, blood on the top of the door posts. That'd have been a sight if you were walking through town, wouldn't it? Blood of the lamb. That's what it means. The two side posts and the upper door posts spread the blood on the. So they got the blood of this lamb. And they shall eat the flesh that night, roast it with fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Don't eat it raw, sodden with water, but roast it with fire, head, legs, pertinence thereof. Verse 10, let nothing of it remain till the morning. That which remains of it till the morning, burn it with fire. Verse 11, and you shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. Now, you got that picture right there in verse 11. I don't want you, like, coming in and taking off your coat and hanging it up and, you know, putting on your slippers and coming and sitting down at the dinner table like you're going to be there a while and you're just going to rest and kick back once you're done. I'm getting ready to deliver you. Because I'm getting ready to deliver you, when you sit down to eat... I want you to make sure that you're already girded up. You got your coat wrapped around you. I want you to make sure that you've already got your sandals strapped on your feet. And your staff is in your hand. I'm getting ready to deliver you. What I'm doing, you're going to eat this. You're not going to eat it and then wait a while. This work that I'm doing tonight, when you put the blood on the doorpost, I'm getting ready to bring you out. And I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you're feeling what I feel like right up here, but man, there's a move of the Spirit of God. I feel like the Lord's trying to tell somebody, you might as well just get ready. If you'd like to be delivered, if there's something holding you in bondage that you'd like to be set free from, I feel deliverance in this room right now. The deliverer is present. And I feel such a swiftness of his desire to work. He says, you might as well just get ready. Put your coat on. Have your shoes ready. Get them strapped on. Have your staff in your hand. I'm taking you out of this place of bondage. Well, we better get back to reading. Passover. Verse 12. I'll pass through the land of Egypt this night. And I'll smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Man, beast, against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Watch verse 13. And the blood, everybody say the blood. The blood, the blood shall be to you. Everybody say to me. to me. Did you catch that? He told Israel, the blood will be to you for a token. On the houses where you are. And when I see the blood. When who sees the blood? The Lord. The Lord's speaking here, right? To the congregation of Israel. He says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's why they call it the Lord's Passover. I will pass over you. And the plague. What plague? Plague. The plague of death. Remember we just read, this night at midnight, I'm going to come through the land of Egypt. I'm going to destroy, kill all of the firstborn. He said, but when I pass through, if I see the blood, when I see the blood, this plague of death that's on everybody, the only thing that's going to keep you from that plague of death, I'm looking for the blood. I'm watching for the blood. I want to see the blood of the Lamb. And if the blood of the lamb is there, I'm going to cause the plague to death. It's not going to stop at your house. It's going to pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Now, we fast forwarded just then about 4,000 years. See, God knows what he's doing. We We think in turn, we feel like 25 years is a long time. God thinks in thousands of years. He's not bound by time at all. And so he knew even when Israel was in bondage in Egypt, he knew then I'm going to show them what it means to be delivered from bondage. I'm going to show them the role and the place of the lamb and of blood in deliverance from bondage. Because I've got a plan that's going to come thousands of years later. And I'm going to make it so clear to them that when my plan is revealed, they'll recognize that what I did thousands of years before was simply to prepare them for the blood of a lamb to deliver them. Matthew 26. I won't read all the verses here for sake of time. But we find ourselves sitting in a room in this passage of Scripture where Jesus is sitting with his 12 disciples. It's often called the Lord's Supper. Anybody ever heard of that? So they're sitting there at the Lord's Supper, and they're getting ready to eat. It happens to be the Passover. They're celebrating Passover. Passover. This that we just read in Exodus, where the first Passover took place. Jesus and his 12 disciples are now sitting together in Jerusalem. And they are about to eat of the Passover meal. They're remembering what God has done for Israel. Israel is no longer in bondage to Egypt we would have kept reading in Exodus, we would see, of course, the Lord did what he said. He came through Egypt. He smote all the firstborn and Pharaoh and the people of Egypt said, leave, get out of here. And they left staff in hand. They took off. God destroyed Egypt. When they followed them through the Red Sea, Egypt tried to follow them through the water. And when Egypt tried to follow through the water, came and destroyed all that which held them captive. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And so Israel year after year after year after year after year continued to celebrate the Passover. They continued to celebrate the fact that God had delivered them from bondage. You know, we could learn from that. We could learn from that. It's all right to celebrate God delivering you again and again and again and again. I don't mean get delivered again and again. He he delivers you. He does it good and final. But I mean, we should learn to celebrate again and again that God has delivered us. And so they are doing this year after year, remembering the deliverance. But there's this thing about the children of Israel celebrating Passover. They have a promise from the prophet Isaiah. And in the promise from the prophet Isaiah, they understand that one day they will no longer have to offer the sacrifice for the Passover year after year. Because God Himself is going to come. And He is going to once and for all deliver them from the bondage of this world. They know that. They're holding to that hope. And so the children of Israel, when they celebrate the Passover... They have their table. They do these things. They have the bread, the bitter herbs. They have the the cup. They take the lamb. They do all of that when they celebrate the Passover. But they always leave an empty chair at the table. Read this. Study this out. Even to this day. The Jews keep an empty chair at the table. And they say, we're waiting when they're celebrating Passover. We're waiting for Elijah to come. Now, when they say Elijah, they don't mean the prophet Elijah. They mean that which was spoken of by the prophet Elijah, that the Messiah would come and he would take his place at the table and they would no longer look for a lamb year after year after year, but God himself would be the lamb. Abraham, when he was going where Brother Lewis said this morning earlier, when Abraham was taking his son to be sacrificed on Mount Moriah, He's taking him up, and Isaac says, Dad, we've got fire and we've got wood, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham looked at Isaac and said, God will provide himself a lamb. He didn't say God will provide for himself a lamb. He said God will provide himself. Abraham was prophesying and didn't even realize it in the moment. God's going to provide himself a lamb. And so Israel is waiting for this Lamb of God. We find John the Baptist in the Jordan baptizing people, preparing the way, knowing that Jesus is coming. He said, there's one coming after me who is preferred before me, for he was before me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not even worthy to stoop down and unloose. And he was there baptizing in the Jordan, and he looks and he sees his cousin. Jesus Christ was John the Baptist's cousin. He sees him coming. And revelation comes to John the Baptist, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. They're eating the Passover. Matthew 26, Jesus and his disciples are doing this. And watch what Jesus says. Verse 26, Matthew 26 and verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. They had not heard that before. They had always heard this is the remembrance of the Passover thousands of years ago. But they're eating Passover this night. And Jesus doesn't say, this do in remembrance. Jesus said, this is my body. And all of a sudden, they had revelation if they didn't have it before. Elijah's come. He's at the table. God manifest in the flesh is here. Now watch what he says, verse 27. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them and he said, drink you all of it. Verse 28, for this is my blood. Notice he didn't say this was remembering the blood on the doorposts. He said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Anybody interested in remission of sins? You know what sins are? Sin is bondage. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. The price of sin is death. The plague of sin is death. There's no way out of that. You can't be good enough to get out of it. You can't do enough good to make up for the sin in your life. I can't do enough good to make up for the wrong in my life. You understand that, right? I mean, if, heaven forbid, if I, if I kill somebody, I can't do enough good to bring them back to life. I can be sorry, I can be repentant, but it doesn't change the fact of what I've done. I can't do enough. How much good does somebody have to do to make up for that? Well, you can't. You can never ever bring them back. You can't undo what's done. And so my sin is ever present on my life. And the cost of my sin, the price I have to pay for my sin is death. And so I'm in bondage. I'm in bondage to sin. I'm in bondage to this natural man. I'm in bondage to my own state of living. I need a deliverer. You need a deliverer. Our world is in bondage to addiction. Our world is in bondage to pornography. Our world is in bondage to, you fill in the blank. Our world's in bondage. Some of you in this room, you're in bondage. You shouldn't be. But you are. But there is a deliverer. There is a deliverer. There is a deliverer. And so Jesus said, This is my blood. What you're doing right now, celebrating the Passover, we're no longer looking back. I'm looking forward. Because notice what he said this is my blood of the New Testament. What do you mean, a New Testament? A new covenant? You've been operating under this old covenant of the law, where every year you had to kill a lamb and push your sins forward one more year. But you were never delivered from your sins; they were only pushed forward one more year, pushed forward one more year. You could never be delivered. You ever feel like you just sort of never get delivered? Don't raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about, though. Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. We're all we're all. This room is full of perfect people, perfectly human people. All right, we're all perfectly human. And we all do things that we're like, man, why do I keep doing that? Because I need a deliverer. And I can't deliver myself. I can't deliver myself. I'm in bondage to sin. You say, well, not me. I'm better than that. Well, no, not all of us were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. In sin did our mother conceive us. is what the scripture teaches us. And so every single one of us need a deliverer. And you notice we don't come here every Sunday or once a year and get a lamb and kill it and put blood on posts and lay the lamb out and sit here. and We don't do that anymore. We don't have to do that anymore. There has been a deliverer. There has been bloodshed. Jesus said this is the blood of the New Testament. The Old Testament said you keep killing a lamb every year and it pushes your sin forward. You're never really delivered You just get your sins pushed forward and you thank God you got a little relief. But next year you're going to have to do this again because you're never really delivered. Just like Israel was in bondage to Egypt 400 years. Never really delivered. Never really delivered. Never really delivered. It took blood for deliverance. In my life and in yours, the only thing that will deliver us is blood. The blood of the Lamb. The writer of Hebrews says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. No remission of sins. That word remission means freedom from imprisonment or freedom from bondage. Is literally what the word remission means. Freedom from imprisonment or freedom from bondage. The removal of that which holds one captive. Jesus said... My blood is shed so that you can be free from bondage, free from that which holds you captive, free from that which imprisons you. The only way is the blood. Without blood, no remission. No remission. I need the blood of the lamb. I need the blood of the lamb. You need the blood of the lamb. We need the blood of the lamb. I am thankful for the remission of sins. We use those words and they're so familiar to us that it's easy to sort of just pass over that. I'm thankful that my sins have been remitted. I could not remit my own sins, brother Zario. I couldn't do enough to break the bondage of sin that destined me to hell. I needed blood to be applied to my life so that I could be set free from the bondage of sin. I needed the blood of a savior to deliver me from that which destined me to eternity in hell. And the only way to be set free was the blood of a spotless lamb. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, no removal, no forgiveness, no freedom of sin. You need the blood. I need the blood. Watch what the scripture says about this remission of sins. Luke tells us that Jesus Christ came to give knowledge of salvation to his people. By the remission of their sins. Luke 3 tells us Jesus came into all the country around Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission. Or John, not Jesus. John the Baptist came to the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Jesus, at the end of Luke, before he ascended back into heaven, Luke 24, Jesus said, Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he obeyed what Jesus told him to do. And Peter said, you need to repent. You need to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There is a need for you and I to have our sin remitted. I almost said I'm sorry, but I'm not going to say that. I'm not sorry. This is the word of the Lord. You and I will die in our sin. If I do not have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to my life. The plague of death is on my life and on yours unless I've had the blood of Jesus put on my life. We used to sing this song. I really can't sing, but I don't know how to just say it. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Anybody know that song? I I hear the Spirit of the Lord asking. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? And then another verse said. Come be washed. In the blood. I'm thankful for the blood. Of the lamb. It's not just a song to me. Not just a neat story to me. It set me free from bondage to sin. It delivered me from bondage to sin. The songs, all of you know these old songs, but they they had purpose, you know. What can wash away my sin? You know the song? What can do it? Oh, you do know that. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Nothing else can wash away your sin. Nothing else can make you and I whole. Nothing else can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nothing else can deliver us from bondage. Nothing else but the blood of Jesus. Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? It's a question we have to answer. We have to answer it. You say, well, you know, Jesus loved me, so it doesn't matter. Yes, he loves you. This is why he died and shed his blood. To purchase you and me. I want to read some more. I'm not texting. I have all my scriptures here. Peter said in Acts 10. When he was preaching to Cornelius in his house. He said to Jesus. Give all the prophets witness. That through his name. Whoever believes in him. Shall. I like that word, shall receive remission of sins. Romans, Paul said, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. You got to have faith in the blood of the lamb. Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. There is a washing that takes place through the blood of the Lamb. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I got all these old songs running through my spirit right now. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. I need to remember this. If you and I have been washed, when the adversary comes and brings things against me, I just remind him, Sister Priscilla. You know, some people there was. A, I think it, I don't think it's a deal anymore. But a few years ago, there was a thing, right? You guys remember? Speak to the hand. You guys remember that, right? If you still do that, that's past. I don't think it's a thing anymore. But everybody, am I the only one? You guys remember? Raise your hand if you remember that goofiness, right? Speak to the hoon. Hopefully, you never does it. I sort of use that with the adversary when he comes. Except I don't say "Speak to the hand." I say, "Look at the blood. Look at the blood. I'm covered in blood. I'm washed in the blood." I'm buried in the blood. The blood has been applied to my life. Sin you have no hold. Sin you have no authority in my... You understand when you've been washed in the blood, sin has no authority in your life unless you let it. The blood gives you power over sin. You say, well, why do I still fall into sin? Because you forget you've been washed in the blood. The blood gives you power over sin. You don't have that in your own ability. I don't have that in my own ability. I'm not better than you are. You're not better than I am. I'm just washed in the blood. And I, like Paul said in Romans 3, I have faith in the blood. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father who is above all, through all, and in you all. There is power in the blood. Have you been washed in the blood today? Come on, if you've been washed in the blood, you ought to be thankful this morning. If the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life in the waters of baptism, you ought to be thankful today. It sets you free from the bonds of sin and death. I could not set myself free. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of a New Testament, the blood of a new covenant applied to my life and yours delivered me from imprisonment, delivered me from bondage to sin, delivered me from guilt and shame, the remission of sin. When Peter said in Acts two, and I'm finishing here, when Peter said in Acts two, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That verse is often misquoted. It's probably one of the most popular verses among Pentecost, but it's probably misquoted the most. Because people quote that verse and they say, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. But the word your is not in there. But we always want to stick your in there. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Not just yours. When I'm baptized in Jesus' name and the blood of Jesus is applied to my life, it doesn't just remit my sin. Sin that others have committed against me, that holds me in bondage to guilt or shame. (laughs) The blood deals with that sin too. Where I couldn't forgive before, I can forgive now. Because the blood took care, it remitted not just my sins, (laughs) Every sin committed against me, it remitted that sin. How would this, somebody would get a fresh glimpse of the blood? See, it's distant to us. It's just a story because we didn't stand and watch him hang and die and watch the blood run down his back and watch the red blood run down his beard and down the sides of his face because the crown set on his head. All of that was shedding blood to purchase you and me. And when I was washed in the waters of baptism, my sins were washed away. We used to sing this song. I told you all these old songs are coming back to my spirit this morning. You guys think, oh, man, he's lost it. We sing, I'm so glad that I've been buried in You guys don't know this one. You know this one, Brother Johnstone? I'm so glad that I've been buried in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. I'm so glad that I've been buried in the name of the Lord since the name of the Lord has been revealed. What's the name? What's the name? Jesus. Jesus. I've been buried. The apostle Paul said we are buried with him baptism and when I'm buried in the water I'm finishing here the blood of Jesus is applied to my life the blood I enter into a blood covenant I was younger we used to cut our finger anybody ever do this stupid thing some of you guys laughed. All the guys laughed because they know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh-oh. We had these little bitty pocket knife things. We would cut our finger. How stupid were we? We would. We would anybody else do this besides me? Okay, there's a few. Look, like, I saw like two ladies raise their hand too. See, a, <laughs> we would cut our fingers and we would grab hands. So that our cut fingers would touch each other. We were like, we were making an agreement, man. We we're like blood brothers. We'd use that. Anybody ever use that term? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You heard that term, right? You? you heard that, haven't you? I, I still, I had a friend, Speedy. Yuleman. His name was Charles. We called him Speedy. Him and I were blood brothers. It was like, man, we're really good friends. We were making some agreements, blood brothers. Do you understand? When you and I are baptized in Jesus' name, that's really what's happening is we are getting into a covenant. We're saying, I'm taking your blood. I could not redeem myself from sin. I acknowledge I'm going to die in my sin unless someone sheds innocent blood for me. And so what I'm doing, God, is I'm entering into a relationship with you. If you'll purchase me, I'll be baptized. Acknowledging your blood is buying me. When I, when I go down in the water, I'm acknowledging he's buying me right now. I'm not going to belong to myself when I come out of the water. He purchased me with his own blood. And so now my life belongs to him. He chooses what I do and what I don't do. He chooses where I go and don't go. And you understand, if I still try to live my life for myself after he purchased me, you know what the Bible says I'm doing? says, I'm crucifying him afresh. I entered into a covenant when I went into the waters of baptism. said, you purchased me with your own blood. I want to be purchased. Last song that comes into my mind. We'll see if anybody knows this one. says, I'm a prisoner of love. I'm a slave to the master. Some of you are really thinking, now you haven't heard that one. I went way back on that one. I had a grandmother that sang all these songs. I'm a prisoner. Paul said, I'm a prisoner of Christ. He wasn't complaining about it. He was celebrating it. I've been purchased. I'm glad to be a prisoner. He's a good master. The blood he paid was far worth more than what I'm worth. But he determined I had value. And so he purchased me with his own blood. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, where you've come from. If you've been covered in the blood, it's covered. Quit believing the lies of the adversary. Can we thank the Lord together for his blood right now? Itamashito. Iaramashitolo Boko si ya rabashete. Ilamando lobo si a ratahaye. Kiya ramashetolobokoye. I could not free myself, Lord, and so you paid the price to set me free. I could not pay the price. I did not want to pay the price. You paid the price. You traded places with me. You shed your own blood. Thank you. I thank you for the blood and the remission, the complete remission of sins. In Jesus' name. This is important for somebody. This morning, that element of not just remission for your sins, but remission of sins. Once the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life, you have the ability to forgive that you didn't have before. You have greater ability. You have supernatural ability now, because now you can forgive it in Christ As Christ has forgiven you, now you can forgive. Because you have the power of the blood working through your life to do that. It's important. It wasn't just for the remission of yours. It was the remission of those committed against you. Release them. Release them into the blood. Release them into the blood. In Jesus' name. Aren't you thankful today? If Brother Ethan knew all those old songs. I've had him come play them. But I have to teach them to him so he can learn them and play them. Amen. I stopped because i probably got about 20 or 30 more that are in there right now. You guys like, we can't take any more singing, Brother Hart. I'm thankful today for the blood of the Lamb. I don't want it to ever to get old to me. I don't want it ever to become just mundane to me. There's not a day in my life I don't thank him for the blood. Some of you, you need to pray this. I really am trying to be done. I feel the Lord just trying to reach into somebody's spirit this morning. Some of you, you really need to pray that God would give you a view of Calvary and the blood. Ask God to let you see him on the cross. Ask him to let you see the blood he shed for you. See, to some it's just a story. We haven't seen it. But if he would remove blinders and open our eyes spiritually, we could see the suffering Savior and see the price he paid to rescue this wretch that I am. And if I could get a glimpse of... The suffering Lord and his blood running down for my. You understand, I'm not trying to like, I, I just, the Lord wants us to see. We need a glimpse. We need to see the blood. We need to see the price paid. We need to recognize a man, a living individual died for me. Was whipped, beaten, bruised, cut, bled, died for you and for me. Poured out his own blood for you, for me. Not because you deserved it. Not because I deserved it. We're rotten, stinking sinners. His blood. God, give us a glimpse. Let us to see. Let us to see. Let us to see. Give us a revelation and understanding of your blood. Your blood that cleanses, your blood that heals, your blood that renews, that defeats the adversary. Come on, it's more than a song. There is power in the blood. There is wonder-working power in the blood. There is healing in the blood. There is deliverance in the blood. There is salvation in the blood. There is victory in the blood. When we get an understanding and a revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ, the adversary can have no hold. The adversary can have no hold. I'm thankful today for the blood. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. I release you. In Jesus' name. Those for youth convention, don't forget to go downstairs. In Jesus. Name. Yes, please, chaperones and young people and their parents downstairs for Youth Convention. Thank you.